Friends, let's open in our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to read in Ephesians chapter 6. We've been walking through this entire household family corridor in the book. After we leave families, we're going to go to workplaces. Paul is unpacking for us what it means to practically live out the gospel in our everyday lives. I'm going to read from Ephesians 6, beginning in verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Let's pray together. Father, we pray for our kids. You told us when you are on earth to such belongs the kingdom of God. Do not hinder a little one from coming to you. Do not tempt them to sin, but instead serve them and love them, that they might grow to be kids who throw themselves on you for salvation, that you'll in turn give them power to turn around by the Holy Spirit to obey their parents and guardians, that they might live long in the land. Would you do that? For our families and for our church family, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, it's Mother's Day today, and I think one of the greatest gifts I could give moms today is to preach from Ephesians 6, telling their kids to obey them. That's the gift to mothers that is coming to us today. So, kids, children, I am speaking mostly to you. If you're here and you are ages 0 to, let's say, 22, in home or in college, would you please raise your hand nice and high so we can see primarily who this message is being addressed to. Thank you guys very much. Um, But of course, if we're talking to kids, and we're talking about honoring parents, then that means that everybody of us in the room who has living parents or guardians and are thinking about how we honor them, this also in part applies to us. If we're parents and our kids are being addressed, then then we're learning how God is speaking to our kids, and that's going to shape the way we parent. And so really there's something in here for every single one of us. Whenever we talk to kids, it really makes me think of... Um, that great scene from the life of the evangelist D.L. Moody. So D.L. Moody was an evangelist who was out sharing the gospel. He came home and told his wife very excitedly, praise God, today two and a half people came to faith in Christ. And his wife was like, what are you talking about? Two like two adults and a kid came to faith? What do you mean two and a half people came to faith? And D.L. said, no, 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 not at all. Two kids and one adult. The adult is already halfway dead. (laughs) And that is so true. Kids, (laughs) if God is gracious and gives us full lives, then our kids among us, you have your entire life ahead of you to love and to serve God. Your parents are halfway in the grave. We have already, if God gives us a full life, we have lived half or more of our Christian lives. We've given away half the money we're going to give away. 
We've served half the ways we're going to serve. We've invested in half the people we're going to invest in. We've already shared the gospel half as many times as we're going to share it. We've felt half the love that God pours out on our hearts. We've already sung half the song spontaneously in worship to this same God. And unless something changes radically in our lives... Don't expect much from the back end. What you see is what you get. This is who we are as the adults in your midst. But you kids have your entire lives in front of you. And we cannot imagine, the Apostle Paul cannot imagine, anything more glorious for you in your life than that you would know And love and listen to the God of Ephesians. He loves you. He knew about you before the foundations of the world. Before he made anything. He knew you by name and chose you to be his. He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to cleanse you from your sins. When you were born, he placed you in a Christian family or near a Christian family. And today, if you're here this morning, he has placed your Christian family within a Christian church that knows and loves God. And his greatest design for you is that you will know him and love him and respond to his gospel, that you'll confess your sins and trust in him alone for salvation. And he promises in Ephesians chapter 2 that he's already laid out your life in front of you and the good works that he has prepared beforehand that you should walk in. That's our prayer for the kids in this church. You grab a generation like that who begins to trust in Jesus and follow Jesus and they've got their entire lives ahead of them to walk in Christ and fireworks begin to happen in our cities and in our nation. I'm rereading the book of Acts and I'm watching as the gospel goes into a pagan city and the complaint that unbelievers have about believers. The the residents of Thessalonica say these people are turning the world upside down with their teaching. Those in Philippi, when they see a slave girl that's been exercised of a demon and Lydia and the jailer who come to faith in Christ, they say, these Christians are disturbing our city. When the gospel gets to Ephesus, which is where this letter is being written, the expanse of Christianity in that city broke the market for selling idols and there was a riot in that city. You get a generation of our kids that trust in Jesus, that move by his spirit, that flex spiritual muscles and spiritual fruit in this city, and there will be complaints of a disturbance. Lord, make it so in the city of Columbia. What a glorious thing. Now that's a lot to take in if you're a kid sitting here this morning. And you kind of heard that paragraph. You're in elementary school or middle school, high school, college. It doesn't matter what you're in. That's a lot to absorb this morning and to take in. Which is why God doesn't leave us alone. We're not alone to figure out what it looks like to get from diapers to turning Thessalonica upside down. We, we have help to get there. And the help that God gives us is our parents. In God's design, 
parents pave the way for our kids to know and love God in this life and the life to come. That's what a parent does. Paves the way for our kids to know and love God. We're going to hear more about parenting next week from verse 4. But you'll notice that Paul, in all of this section, likes to address the more vulnerable member of the pair first. So he talks to wives and then husbands. He talks to kids and then their parents. He talks to employees and servants. And then he turns around and talks to masters and bosses in the weeks to come. Paul gives our kids just one command. Kids here this morning, you can memorize the command that Paul gives. It's just one command. And then later, if you want to explore, he backs it up with three reasons. Here's three reasons why you should do this one command. Okay? The one command in verse 1 to our kids is this. Children, obey your parents. That's it. That's the command. Obey your parents. Can you guys say that with me? Our kids here, 0 to 22. We're going to memorize this verse together. Ready? On three, we're going to say, obey your parents. One, two, three. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) This is why we need Jesus. (laughs) Great, you set up the sermon perfectly. If obeying our parents is teaching our kids to obey God then we're actually talking about the only kind of obedience that our Bibles talk about, which is first-time, heartfelt, joyful obedience. That's the only kind of obedience that our Bible talks about with respect to God or our parents. It's first-time, heartfelt, joyful obedience. Now, I was pitching this sermon to a, a couple in our church And when they heard that, they said, that sounds terrible. It's too wordy. It doesn't rhyme. I'm not going to use that with my kids. First time, heartfelt, joyful. They said, why don't you say right away, all the way, with a happy heart? And it was like, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) You don't have a degree in this stuff. Okay, we'll use that. Right away all the way with a happy heart. Isn't that a beautiful description of the kind of obedience that God is talking about? Let's just talk about a few examples of this in our homes to kind of track with each other, okay? Kids, listen to me, because I, I want you to see if you've noticed a little brother or sister do this. I'm sure you haven't done this, but mom says, take out the trash, and kid says, wait a minute, I'm busy. I'll get to it in a minute. Well, he said he's going to do it in a minute, so maybe he's going to do it. Is that God's obedience? Or a dad says to his daughter, I want you to share. And she says, sure, dad. I'm happy to share. Because if I share, you're going to look like a really good dad, and you're going to impress your friends, so I'll be happy to share right now. Sounds like she's going to share. I mean, are we all on the same page? Is that... God's obedience that he's calling us to? No, of course it's not. Have you ever seen an adult obey God that way? All of us have seen that. And it's really, really awkward to watch. Like Jesus says, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away from you. It's better to enter the kingdom maimed 
than to have your whole body be cast into hell? And adults say, wait a minute. I'm in the middle of something. I'll do that later. That's not God's obedience. God says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And we say, sure, God. I'll get all dressed up on Sunday morning. I'll come. I'll sing all the pretty little songs you want me to sing, but I'm not happy with you right now. That's not the obedience that God's talking about. Nobody is fooled by that. The Bible never, ever, ever talks about just this rote, mechanical, outward, bodily obedience. It just doesn't have a category for that. It never thinks about that. When we hear a command from God, it only is ever directed to our hearts. And I'm afraid that if parents settle for reluctant, sarcastic, joyless obedience, we're confusing our kids into thinking that there are two kinds of obediences. There's, there's like one for parents, and then later we beef it up to the one towards God, but, but that doesn't exist at all. There's no such thing as an obedience to parents or to God that is not right away, all the way, with a happy heart. Now let me make a gospel digression here. Maybe there's actually no such thing as a gospel tangent or digression. But as you think about this um, obedience that happens right away, all the way, with a happy heart, that means that the obedience that we're talking about is actually perfection. That's what we're asking for, right? We're asking for our kids to be perfect, which is paraphrasing Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount when he says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. That's what I want you to do. That's what I want you to be. So some of us parents are sitting here this morning and thinking to ourselves, um, if you're asking for immediate joyful obedience, you obviously don't know my kids. I mean, you don't know the kinds of kids that I have. I know your kids might do that, but my kid, I just don't think that's for us or for our family. And I would say to you, yeah, I think I do know your kids. I've got four of them, ages now, 11 to 6. I think I understand your kids pretty well. I bet they're as big a sinner as you are. They just haven't learned to hide it yet in the church, right? You've had years in the church to sin politely. You know what sins nobody's going to bother you about, and so you can do them in our midst. You know what sins you're supposed to hide and not tell anybody. So you know all that. Your kids don't know that. And they're just as great sinners as we are. They just don't know how to hide it. The Bible's standard for our kids, just like for parents and adults, is perfection. That's what God is calling us to. And as soon as we understand that standard, we immediately see a problem with what's going on. Because adults or kids are not perfect. God calls us to obey perfectly. We struggle with perfection. We all of a sudden understand that we need help. 
that we need to confess the fact that we don't live perfectly, that we need to throw ourselves on Jesus for his mercy because he forgives us, cleanses us, and then gives us power to turn around and obey. If in your home, you take God's standard of perfect obedience and you lower that thing like a couple dozen rungs on the holiness ladder and you get it around somewhere that's more manageable for your household and the kids that you have, like God says he wants immediate joyful obedience, but you say, you know what, in our household we're just going to take what we can get. Like if my kids bring me to the brink of exploding and then they obey me, I'm okay with that. Or if I have to count to nine and seven-eighths for them to obey me, but then they do, I'm okay with that. Or like when I'm in public and they're embarrassing me, I have to beg them and, and bribe them with things so that they'll listen to me and not embarrass me. I'm okay with that. If that's what obedience comes to mean in your household, your kids don't need Jesus for that. If obedience is bite-size, if it's something that you can attain pretty easily in a day's work, if it's something that you can muster in the flesh and do bodily but not with your heart, your kids actually don't need Jesus at all in your home because the standard of holiness is not what God says it is. Anybody can handle that in the flesh. But if obedience to my parents is immediate and it's heartfelt and it's done cheerfully, then all of a sudden I'm going to feel these dynamics in my heart. Like my parents asked me to do this one thing and I know that God says to honor them, but I feel this darkness in my heart. Like I feel like God is pulling me one way to, to do what he says for me to do, but then I feel like my heart wants something totally different. It's totally different than listening to and obeying my parents and certainly not with a happy heart. I, I have this internal struggle where my heart is here and God is here and who will save me from this body of death? What can I do? And if you bring your child to that point that they despair of perfect obedience in your household, you are halfway to the cross. You have led them through the bad news of the gospel and you're ready to share with them the good news of the gospel. We're going to talk about that next week when we talk about parenting. What does it look like to bring our kids to a saving knowledge of Jesus? That can't happen where we do not present to our kids that our God is holy and that our God demands holiness from all who seek him. Paul says, right away, all the way, happy heart obedience is what God is calling our kids to do. Will you as parents repeat that message in your household with your kids? That's the command, and it's a big one. And then Paul very quickly works his way through three reasons for that command. He says, this is it. And then I want to give you three reasons, kids, why we obey our parents. 
Ready for this? Reason number one. This is the best reason and the chief reason. Verse one. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. So he doesn't say, children, obey your parents when it's not too much trouble or when you already agree with them or when you're not in the middle of something. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Your first time heartfelt, joyful obedience to your parents right now is the way you are responding in your hearts to God. You might think your beef is with your parents. It's really with God who has placed your parents in your life. God just stuck your parents in the middle so that you can feel the weight of this heavenly dynamic that you have with God. To riff on Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who really riffs on the Apostle John, if you can't love and listen to and obey and respect your flesh and blood mom and dad who are standing right in front of you, how can you then learn to obey and respect and listen to and love your heavenly father who you can't even see? The goal here for our kids is not to produce these little obedient, angelic cherubs that are better seen and not heard and don't embarrass us in front of our friends. The the aim here, Paul says, for our kids is that they would live and move and have their being in the Lord, in a vibrant relationship with the Lord. We obey our parents Because we are growing to obey God. That's reason number one. It's done in the Lord. Reason number two, very quickly. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. God gave us these hearts to already know his law written on our hearts that this is right and true. It might not feel good and it might not feel right. But Paul says it is right and it is just and it is true. And then finally, number Reason number three, it's commanded in Scripture, and it's the fifth of the Ten Commandments. Here's what's so interesting about the the placement of honor your parents in the Ten Commandments, because we usually divide up the Ten Commandments into two parts. You have our relationship with God, commandments one through four, and our relationship with our neighbor, commands five through ten. So our relationship with God, no other gods before me, don't take my name in vain, honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. That's, that's how I relate to God. And then on the back end commandments, you have don't lie, don't uh, covet, don't steal. That's my relationship with my neighbor. The, the hinge command in between God and neighbor is commandment number five, honor your parents. As I'm learning to love and listen to and honor God, and as I'm transitioning to uh, honor and serve and respect my neighbor, my parents are there to help me bridge the gap between God and man. What it means to listen to a parent in a way that I'm going to turn around and listen to God. Now that commandment in the Ten Commandments is the first one, Paul says, with a specific promise. Verse 3 says that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Now that makes us a little bit uncomfortable because 
Some people take passages like this and they teach the prosperity gospel that says that if you trust in God and obey God, your life will always go well. God will always make you healthy, wealthy, and wise if you obey him. And if you're sick and poor, then something is wrong with your spiritual life. You must be disobeying God. That is absolutely not true. That's not biblical. When we read in our Bibles, we read about poor, persecuted people who are actually very godly. We read in the Psalms that the psalmist continues to complain, God, why do the wicked prosper? They're not doing anything you say, and they look like they have really good lives. But then you turn to the Proverbs, and the Proverbs make the case that it is generally true that those who obey God, those who live the way that God has designed for them to live, will live more happy whole, fulfilled, life-giving lives. And so there's a promise attached to this command. Children, if you'll obey your parents, there is this benediction blessing on you, that God will bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. That means, kids, we obey our parents in Christ because he saves us and forgives us and redeems us and now gives us new power that we didn't have in and of ourselves. We obey our parents right away, all the way, with a happy heart for the love of God and for the rightness of God and for the blessing of God. Let's pray together. Jesus, bless our kids. Bring them to yourself. I pray that even now as parents go home and speak to kids about this passage and what it means to obey right away with a happy heart, that you will begin to tug in the hearts of our kids like you've tugged in our own hearts, that this is impossible in our own strength. We just can't do this. And our parents will be diligent to discipline us, to pray with and for us, to speak to us about the gospel that we might ask for your forgiveness, receive your forgiveness, and learn to live a life in you. Would you do that in our midst? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.